The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook by using promo code RTRS. Brought to you by Mortgage CS. Become a Mortgage CS Ricky VIP at mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. L. L. Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged. Cornblow and Cornblow, the official law firm of the process. And stateside, Urban Craft Vodka, the official sponsor of the Corner 3 newsletter with Zoe. Subscribe at rightstorickysanchez.com slash newsletter. On the show today, the Sixers through their easy seven-game stretch, are now 6-0 and oh, and beating teams by like 50 points. It is a completely unfamiliar phenomenon, at least as far as I remember, in the last 10 years of our podcast. We will discuss that. Daryl Morey gets a contract extension through 27-28, basically guaranteeing the existence of this podcast for another five years. And we go star hunting in a city that TJ McConnell would never want to to live in. Before we go, before we get going here, what a great late Christmas present fly the process would be for the lunatic in your life. Perhaps you have a partner in your life who only is tangentially aware of your listening to this podcast. What a great thing to surprise that person with a trip to Los Angeles yeah. to go watch a basketball game with us. It's going to be great. We're going to see Sixers Clippers end of March to put your deposit down and to learn more good rights, rickysanchez.com slash fly. And if you're interested in a package that does include the travel portion, just the tickets, the parties, et cetera, et cetera. Or maybe if you're traveling from somewhere different than Philadelphia, send an email to Joe, joe at fansofphilly.com. We thank fans of Philly for always organizing our excellent fly the process trips. And I did mention, mention stateside vodka. You're having maybe get-togethers over the next few weeks, maybe holiday get-together, maybe New Year's Eve get-together. What better than to stock maybe the cooler, the fridge, wherever you're keeping the beverages cold with Surfside Iced Tea and Vodka, the official drink of Philadelphia. I am proclaiming it. Surfside Iced Tea and Vodka, the reason it's so popular is because it tastes better than anything in its class. It's simple. When it comes down to it, I can tell you about the the sugar, the hundred calories, the no carbonation, all that kind of stuff. It just tastes the best. And that's why it's so popular. You need to try it. If you haven't, if you have tried it, you need to stock up, go to statesidevodka.com, though you must be 21 to purchase or consume right here in the United States. Without any further ado, Amos and the chef. Welcome to the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Gaskin, along with a guy who will eventually come to my side in agreeing that, yes, Joel Embiid should win his conse- second consecutive MVP award. Mike Levin. Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, I'm, totally, I'm totally good over here. I didn't realize that uh, that CJ put Podal Renters in the intro video. Yes. CJ's now constantly updating. I love I think, it. Yes. I think now that I attacked him for 
one time for not updating it fast enough. CJ is constantly updating the intro video. By the way, a good reason to follow, to subscribe to us on YouTube and watch the pod on YouTube. If you're watching right now and you're, you're they're not subscribed, subscribe on YouTube. CJ is always, always adjusting the intro video. They have been undefeated. They're undefeated since they've became the Puddle Renters. Hmm. Makes so, you think. Maybe, maybe AI is good. Yeah. Maybe the City Series edition jerseys should just be Puddle <laughs> Renters next that'd be, year. That'd be great. That'd be a great. It's moment. so stupid that they have to do a, a, a new jersey every year. So they may as well. Yes. Lock into how dumb it is. By, yeah. Well, they've gotten terrible. They might as well be renters. funny. Yeah. For sure. So. Uh, you know, these teams they're playing are bad. The Detroit Pistons are objectively bad, and we will get into just how bad a little later on the podcast. We got a couple of questions about that. The Charlotte Hornets are not only bad, but they were they were injured. However, seeing the Sixers go out and beat them by like 40 and 50 points and Embiid not even playing the fourth quarter is pretty amazing to watch. I was I didn't see the first half live last night. I only saw the I think I think two minutes left in the first half. So I watched the first half this morning and listening to the Charlotte announcers be like, what the fuck is this Embiid guy doing? Like just completely like taken aback by how he just came in and obliterated them. I don't know. This is, it's, it's, I know the team stink, but it's still really fun to, fun to watch. Absolutely. I mean, this was the easy stretch. They had a tough stretch to start the season and they have a tough stretch to come, but this, you know, it was, a lot of Washington, a lot of Detroit, and some Charlotte. Like these are the games you you got to win. Um, according to Dorktown, shout out Dorktown. This is the best five game stretch of point differential in NBA history. Wow, the Sixers are currently on, and because of the way that I, I didn't check this, but you got to assume that means in the history of sports, at least like the major sports as well, because well, obviously yeah. like. Hockey and soccer and baseball and not maybe the twenty seven Yankees had a stretch in the middle where well maybe maybe yeah. I guess you could argue football maybe but I would assume that that's I would assume it's the I'm going to say it I don't need it to do the research it's yeah. the it's the best five game stretch in in the history of sports which is which is pretty wild um, yeah I mean and Embiid it is fun to watch, listen to other uh, other fan bases or other uh, broadcasters talk about Joel because when he's on like he is right now. And determined to yeah. just assert his will in the post early, using his physicality, um, and then getting to his mid range, and then so quickly diagnosing a double team coming and kicking it out to Maxi easily. It's just really, really. It, he's so special, and watching and listening to other other announcers just start to make noises. Yeah. They're, sometimes they're, they're not even reacting; they're just uh, well, they. Huh. They, last huh? night they were making the noise that a crowd makes when when like Steph Curry hits his yeah, fifth yes. three in a row. It's just yeah. like, oh, like it's the un- inevitable. Yeah. And I do enjoy specifically. I don't I don't enjoy or unenjoy most announced teams. Mostly like I, I'm not. I don't pay attention. But I do enjoy the Charlotte team. Yeah, the Charlotte guy is very good. The yeah, main, I forget, as, I'm forgetting his name, but yes, he's awesome. And he was both getting excited watching it and also defeated understanding yeah. that there was nothing they could do. It was really, Absolutely. it was a good watch. You know? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, right now his mid-range, especially from like the high post area, is a layup. There's nothing that anyone can do to stop him. He shoots it too high. He gets into his like has he easy hang dribble and just rises up. And it's just, it's absolutely unguardable and that's why it's i always feel like it's very uh it reveals a lack of how much basketball people watch when they say like nobody does mid-range anymore it's like joel's shooting 
almost exclusively mid-range jump shot. <laughs> yeah. He is yeah. he is this season has a total, you know, I'm, I'm always monitoring this for everybody, a total of nine dunks on the year, Joel, which would be the lowest of his career. Is one every other, by, less than one, basically one every third game is, is what he's dunking. Lowest yeah. of his career by so much, by yeah. so, so, so much. Um, and it's because a, he's probably protecting himself, but also because he's just like so automatic from mid-range and his touch uh, like around the rim has gotten better. Um, I wouldn't mind a, little, a few more dunks, whatever. I, I would also note that his handle is way better. Is way better. I, I still don't love how often he goes coast to coast. I think that's an unnecessary amount, especially with the uh, entry passers we now have in this team, which we can which we can talk about in a bit. But like, it's just too much. It's too much to, on him to to do everything. And guys are going to like pull it out from behind and and on, against better teams. That's going to result in some annoying turnovers. But specifically his handle in like tight spaces when he's going one-on-one isolation from like 16 feet away, whatever he is really, he's always had excellent footwork, but he's seems like this year has combined his footwork with his tight handle of what he wants to do with the ball and just using it to get his defender off balance, to get whatever distance he needs, whatever space he needs to, to get a shot up. I think it's gotten way better. And I don't think it's been talked about that much. The, there was one, coast to coast where he very easily took it up, went past someone, hit a little jumper. And that was the moment with when the Charlotte announcers were, were just beside themselves. They do the, I think all of them say this guy's seven feet folks. Like yeah. what are we, what are we doing here? It's and almost in almost word for word. Yeah. And in a world where it's, it's pretty interesting because in a world where seven footers or six, 10 and above, let's say, are more skilled than they've ever been in this way. Mm -hmm. They're still stunned by his ability to do that. I think mostly because his physical profile isn't just tall, it is that of a center. He right. looks like a center, you know? Right. He's and, not just a, a skinny guy that kept growing. No. Which like the stuff that Chad is doing and obviously Weminyama and this, a, a ton of guys are, are still very impressive, but it is the combination of touch finesse and physicality at that size with that athleticism and dexterity um that makes him just it's a joy to watch and and now he goes you know especially against bad teams you know he wants a nice round number yeah. 35 and over yeah definitely striving for 40 and he does not want to play in the fourth quarter he no. loves he loves being like i like two minutes left in the third quarter, if it's like we're up 22 or whatever, he's like, I'm going to stretch this. I'm going to get my round number and I am not coming back in this game. Uh, it's a really, it's a good, it's a good, happy stretch of Sixers basketball and just beating good teams on a back-to-back, -back, obviously Charlotte, very shorthanded, like you said, but like crushing, demolishing for years. I've talked on this podcast about just wanting the Sixers to win by 40. Just beat a team by 40, put them, put them away. Don't make it close. And for the last like several games, it's been a ton of Jaden Springer running point guard in the fourth quarter. And yeah. that is just a recipe for, oh, this team has has taken their business seriously. And uh, it is, you know, you talked about last time making in-game bets on the Sixers because you we have a sense of this team and you know when they're about to blow it or whatever it is. And destroying bad teams over and over again, even in a back-to-back, -back, even the Pistons who are dying for a win, Parched of thirst, dying for a win. Uh, and we have a back-to-back back, back home and home with them. And to destroy them both times, it's like they're, they're, 
for years it's been the Sixers are not a serious team. They're an unserious team, whatever. And it seems like at this moment, they are a serious team doing what serious teams do. And we'll see what the ceiling is, but taking care of business against bad teams is is the first step and they're and they're doing great. They look great. You know, you mentioned Springer, which brings to light an interesting question that we got at 833 Lickface. Spike, Mike, CJ, Dan Ollinger, Michael O'Connor, everyone. Who, okay, here's the question. Human Victory Cigars. Haven't talked about it in a long time. We're watching the Sixers put up 50 over the Hornets. Basically, the entire depth of the bench is the Victory Cigar. Mm-hmm. Is there any one player that is the human victory cigar to you? Is it Mobamba? I don't know. So it comes down to two people for me. Let's see if you agree. It, it's House and Korkmaz at this point, I think, because Mobamba will get in there in the occasional middle of the game. I don't think it can be Mobamba. I think I think House will also. Yeah, um, so it's Cork. So it might be Korkmaz. Maybe specifically like Point House. Is the human victory score when he's bringing the ball up? Yeah. You feel like you're like, okay. Sweet step have. back last night from House, by the Absolutely. way. Yeah. He deserves to play some minutes. They're just, they're just, they're just too deep right now. They're just, they are, we'll see if a, if a, if a trade happens to make them less deep. I want some of the two way guys to come in and be a victory cigar. Why can't I get Turquavion Smith victory cigar? Mm. Everybody's too healthy and too good. I'm, I just jinxed it. Forget yeah. I said, CJ delete that. So the, the other, the other, thing that I, I took specifically from the Charlotte game was, and he has done it all year, and they were making mention of it on the Charlotte bo- broadcast because he had played there, is Ubre's dunking has taken a step forward since he has come back. Thank he you. was dunking before, but now he seems like he's trying to kill people when he's dunking, which Thank is you. beautiful to watch. I mean, I have been in the desert, wandering, <laughs> looking for someone to... Ram home, put back dunks since really since Rashawn left. Yeah. And finally we have arrived. Kelly Oubre uh, had a really nice put back dunk, dunk last night. Um, I think he, he had three l- dunks last night, by the way. I think. Yeah. yeah. One was, uh, one was in transition, very easy off a, off a, uh, off a steal. Um, he's just been, he's been great. He's just a very good player. I think it is, uh, it is important to note how good he is off the catch versus off the dribble. When he is forced to do something off the dribble or he feels empowered to do something off the dribble or they're up by 75, so he goes like, I could probably do something off the dribble. Not a good shooter. Just not good. He's just, I mean, going to the basket, yes, he can finish a little floater, that kind of thing, like a little pull up from like eight feet away, whatever. But when he's taking outside shots off the dribble, they're not going in. He's missing. He missed everything on one last night. It is That is why his game is so good right now is because they are feeding him either cuts at the rim where he can just dunk it home or quick catch and shoot stuff where he can catch it in a shooting pocket and go right up with it. And, they, and he's a way better player when he's doing that. And the Sixers having enough of uh, uh, people who draw attention so that he can get those open shots where he didn't get those open shots against, you know, when he's playing for Charlotte or, or Washington or whatever, um, is a big deal. And that's why he's way more efficient. And that's why he's got enough energy on the defensive end to, to play as well as he's been playing and get out in transition, all that stuff. I. Couldn't be happier about the Kelly Oubre experience right now. And uh, even even gifted us a nice, strange wrinkle of the accident and then the ensuing drama from that accident. Um, 
He kept it Sixersy. He's he didn't come you in here. To. Yeah, they, we we need something that is mysterious about the entire thing. Absolutely. The Rice Turkey Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Mortgage CS. We love Mortgage CS. CS stands for Concierge Service. So they're already taking care of you. But if you're a Ricky listener, they'll make you a Ricky VIP and take special care of you. Mortgage CS is a mortgage broker, independent. No secret ties to any bank, so you know they are working for you specifically. And I'm sure, especially over the last couple of years, you've heard a lot about interest rates going up. And now you hear over the next year, well, they may, they may go down. They may go down several times. You need a mortgage broker in your corner who can help explain to you how that's going to work, when the time to jump is, whether to wait, whether not to wait. They will be in your corner. They will be there for you whenever you need them, morning, noon, night. They will explain to you exactly what's going on and they will. their only obligation is to you, is to you. I stand behind Mortgage Yes. Everyone who has gone there, every Ricky listener who has reached out to us has told us what a great experience it is. And I think the best thing ever was I, I saw a photo, they sent it to us, we posted it on our Instagram. Mortgage CS was closing with a Ricky couple, bought a home, and Alec, the 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 CEO of Mortgage CS, wore a Spike Eskin is a liar t-shirt to closing. <laughs> like a oh Ben rather, not Alec, Ben. Completely out of his mind. <laughs> uh, I love that they're all in on us. They are all in on you. You can text Ben at any point, 267-391-7425. Uh, he is the CEO of Mortgage CS, and you have a direct line to him, 267-391-7425. Or go to mortgagecs.com slash Ricky. You will see the beautiful microsite they've built for Ricky listeners only. And that is where you could line up your first conversation with Mortgage CS. You will not be disappointed. If you don't believe me, Google them, read all the five-star reviews. Four more, mortgagecs.com slash Ricky or Ben 267-391-7425. This advertisement is not a commitment to lend or extend credit. Mortgage CS is an equal housing opportunity mortgage broker. All loans are subject to credit approval. Certain restrictions may apply. Company NMLS 1464766. Visit mortgagecs.com slash Ricky for more information. How about Tyrese Maxey's second quarter last night too? Love when he heats up. Love when we have a player that heats up so much and can get his own shot and the other team feels that feeling of helplessness. To have two players that can make the other team feel helpless when you're on offense is a nice little feeling. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is so sick watching him realize how good of a shooter he is. And <laughs> Me too. I'm realizing it, it every, every... I still don't believe it. We'll never believe it. Yep. It's crazy. I mean, his pull-ups, he get, he's getting his feet organized he can hit the step back whenever he wants he has that floater he's getting so much better at drawing fouls off of that floater floaters are te- are typically not a shot you get fouled on right um because you're not getting all the way to the rim maxi is small definitely small especially by nba standards and um it's with that shot profile you would be like is he going to be able to get to the line enough to be an efficient player and you see him starting to get better at that using that using his body to like blow past somebody feel the big coming and then sort of give him off the like left shoulder left arm without pushing off but getting a little bit enough of a contact where he can then explode off of that and draw the foul and still have a shot to make that floater he's been great i I thought the uh you know we talked about how asar thompson kind of shut him down a little bit in that first detroit game which didn't Mm -hmm. matter because they won by so much but second game bounce back have has a nice game against him also it just feels it's it's good to see him 
work through those mistakes. I can't express how good it is for Maxi in his first year being like the lead ball handler, uh, number two option with Joel to feel to to fail, to fail at some of this and go, okay, how can I, he's going to hit walls over the course of the season. There's already been times where Nick nurse got on him for being like, go be more aggressive, do whatever it is. But like, if he's going to be a true, honest to God, number two option on a championship level team, then he's got he's going to have to struggle through the like how much responsibility that requires, and uh, and how much physical toll that's going to take on his body. And uh, it's nice to see him mentally and physically, and it's nice to see him be able to bounce back. And he's had the two best plus minus games of his career, back to back games, which is which is cool. He's great. This is a statement I'm sure you're not going to agree with. I'm pretty sure of. I'm pretty sure, and it won't happen. I'm pretty sure the Sixers would be better if Marcus Morris started over Tobias Harris. Mm. Well, if Marcus Morris is going to hit 90% of his shots, if you can guarantee me that, then then for sure. But I thought it was a nice, I thought it was a nice Tobias game last night. I wanted to give was, Tobias some love. Fine. No, he he hung, he dunked again a couple times. He's up to 21 on the season dunk dunk analytics um on a, on pace for a career year once again but uh he's detailed off at the end of last year he hung on the rim after an Embiid pass on a nice cut baseline that was cool um he blocked a miles bridges three covington also blocked a miles bridges three later yeah. that was good the covington one was awesome and to buy the one that tobias blocked was actually a long two but it was it was a nice block it was like wow. standstill jump i'm just, just well you know, actually right a nice is right blocking right a jumper right. right is right um I just thought he's been getting his, you know, after a really tough, annoying Tobias stretch, um, it feels like he's getting his feet. He's, he's back to making quick decisions. He's getting his feet ready to shoot quickly once it gets, once the ball gets to him. And I thought he did a nice job distributing last night. He finished with four assists in only 25 minutes. Um, he is like a big physical guy that if they're not going to send help should be drawing defense and he, and he's driving, he's kicking, uh, it's not that basketball's not that hard when you're like when you're that good. Like when you're that when you're that big and good and athletic, like just draw the defense, kick it out. And and he did it last night. He had one really beautiful leave for Ubre when Kelly cut baseline uh, opposite a Tobias post move where he spun and then drew the help so Kelly could finish with a dunk. That was nice. Um, it's just been you know we're not nobody on this podcast is going to ride for Tobias ride hard for Tobias. He's Sounds like you are a big, honestly. no, I just want to acknowledge when he does well. Yeah. And when he's not prohibited, I don't think he should be a guaranteed 30 to 35 minutes a game. I think if he's playing poorly, then you can go to Covington or Ubre, or if Marcus Morris is hitting 90% of his shots, then Marcus Morris. Um, but because, because of how many record scratch moments you have with Tobias, but I think it's been good. And I think Batum has sort of infused this team. You know, Batum's entry passes to Joel are so good. They're yeah. so cartoonishly good from anywhere on the court at any place where Joel is. It looks like ceiling. he's like showing off or something. Absolutely. Like, it feels yeah. that way. And and since Joe knows that he's going to throw them and he's capable of throwing them, Joel is then selling out to make sure he makes that play to sort of earn Nico continuing to make those passes to him and i think it's become infectious Mel- melton has made them melton was always good at like that like early post-entry pass um in transition when joel gets down there first maxi had a really beauty beautiful one last night from half court 
And Tobias is always such a reluctant passer on, on that level. But I, I see him start to think about it more. He's like, everybody else is doing entry passes. Why not? Why can't I? Um, and I think that helps Joel get those easy buckets and it helps the team. It's just when you can get Joel easy looks, it's so the air comes out of the arena for the other team so easily. And, and finally, after years of having terrible passers, Batum really setting the tone for that, I think is absolutely great. And I'd love to see it. A great quote that came the other night when our own Dan Ellinger, who, as when we get to the YouTube comments of the week, everyone's calling him a different nickname now in the, the comments, which is great. We have, and Dan specifically said that we, we can name the column the Danny, but he does never, never goes by Danny. So people are just calling him the Danny, which, which is great. And that's but he asked Marcus Morris about Paul Reed, and the quote was, which it's almost like, I do love that Marcus Mars sees the same thing we do. I like to see him do his crazy little shit every game. He gets one possession every game. I love to see it because he does that shit in practice. I love, <laughs> I love that. We did, we, we got an interesting call about Paul Reed. And I, I do think there is some, some truth to it. Hey, Mike, Mike and TJ, don't need out for this one. It's, uh, what's going on with our boy Paul? And we all, we all love him. I, you know, you guys have been there in the getting. I, you know, he, he just kind of looked lost out there. I don't know if it's the positioning. Uh, you know, I still think he's a four. I think they still think they need a backup five and at ball be the backup four, but just the, just the, the going after the rebounds looks off. I don't know if it's because of nurse's offense. He's too high up in the key where, you know, he would play for the pick and rolls, but just something's off with him. I don't know. He, I don't say he, he's not Paul this year, let's put it that way. So we got to get a pro B-ball, strong movement going again on the Ricky in Philadelphia, right into Nick Nurse's ear. Say, Paul, you play. Don't worry about getting pulled. That's what he needs. Thanks, guys. I don't, I don't think he's worried about getting pulled. I, I actually think Paul might miss Harden a little bit. You know, like he knew what his mission was every time Harden was on the court. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I do feel like there, he hasn't been bad, but I do feel like there is something missing. Whereas like Paul doesn't know exactly what he should be doing. Do you feel it at all? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, I wonder, you know, his rebounding efficiency numbers are down. His steal numbers are down. His block numbers are down. His turnovers are up. Yeah. Um, it just seems like he's making we're getting we're getting more of the mistake Paul um then we're getting the just oh he got he got another offensive rebound whatever um it seems like he's in that kind of place where he is capable of doing more now he has improved his game on the offensive end enough where he feels like i can do some of these things but now it's about knowing when to do those things. Uh, I do love his crazy little shit, obviously, um, and have commented on that for a number of years now. He had last night, he had a, he screened and rolled. I think it was Maxie that found him. It might have been Melton. And uh, somehow rolling to the rim turned into a fadeaway floater. Uh, for B-ball. And it yeah. went in. And it yeah, was just like, what a specific young man we yeah. have we have here. Um, yeah, I wonder if it's it's the fact that like, in a Doc Rivers offense, everyone's standing there. 
And B-Ball Paul was the only one that was sort of running around like a like a big freak. Yeah. And now there's guys cutting, there's movement, and it's a little bit like he kind of keeps bumping into people, it feels like. Um, Maxie, did you see Maxie yell at him on the court yet, last no. night? No. When was that? Maxie tried to give him the like sort of, um, you know, the flip action that Ollinger keeps talking about, yep. where it's just flip to Embiid. You know, Maxi passed Embiid and then Maxi runs to get it and he flips it to him, that kind of thing. And, and they do the reverse of that. Maxi tried to do that with B-Ball and B-Ball went, I think, to set a pin down screen and wasn't looking. And so it just like bounced off of his ass or something. Mm. Um, and it ended up being fine. They got the ball back, didn't turn it over. But uh, Maxi kind of gave him the like, like, I don't know how to describe this motion, but sort of just like, what do you think? Like, come on, like lock in kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I know that B-Ball like wants to be coached and wants to be like told what to do and he can take it. But I always feel bad when I when I see that happen. It's just like, he's just, he's doing his best. Um, but yeah, I wonder if there's, if the, like the amount of movement allows him, makes him go like, where am I supposed to go? And, and if there's a, when the game was simplified yeah. and he's just doing, you know, being the, you know, chaos agent or whatever. I think uh, I think maybe he was more more capable of doing that, but I think he'll settle in. It's it it takes time for anybody with a new coach to f- to figure out like their place and in, in it's his it's his first new coach of his career, um, and I don't think he's a obviously I don't think he's a power forward. Maybe in 1998 he's a power forward, but but right now he's you know he's a very switchable center and with a jumper that you only trust if it's late in the shot clock and nobody else is around. This came from Bill about the Pistons at RiceRickySanchez at gmail.com. What's your take on the Pistons losing streak with respect to process history? (laughs) Personally, I think having the record for the longest losing streak in NBA history shows how true to the process the Sixers in the city were. I would hate to see that record taken by this Mickey Mouse accidental tank squad. That being said, the Pistons with their current construction and intentions taking the streak would definitely be maximally pathetic if you don't like maximally pathetic teams. You don't like NBA basketball. Uh, I kind of feel bad for the Pistons players, actually. For sure, bit. yeah, they, for sure. I mean, they're they're they have been they've been better. They're they're a better team than this those the worst version of the process Sixers were. Um, there's better players on the team. I think Monty Williams is trying to do some sort of weird like ethics experiment there with <laughs> with his lineup rotation. I don't understand it. Marcus Sasser is an incredible basketball player already played four years at Houston. He's really good and he keeps falling, finding himself out of the rotation, which seems insane. Um, I, I think that there's just a little of like a can't close games stuff going on there and they don't have enough shooting. Like they, they keep playing guys who are bad shooters and then Duran's been out for a while and he's a good player. Um, I, I want them to go get Zach Levine. That'd be great. It's like, Go make them. They're not trying to be bad. Where the Sixers were, were, yeah. were had, had a had a roster with the intention of prioritizing winning as far away as possible. Yeah, you don't you don't spend ten million dollars on a coach, by the way, every year. Yeah, if you're trying to lose, you know yeah. that's that's was not. This is definitely intention. not intentional, and that's why it was so frustrating with the Sixers back then because, like, teams are terrible all the time. The Kings were terrible for decades. And it's like, you're only penalizing the Sixers because they, you know, sort of set the tone. And now now this is more regular as teams do it all the time. The Blazers did it last year. Um, you know, the sort of our fault a little bit too. A little for bit for sure. Glamorizing it. <laughs> Absolutely. But yeah. uh, hey, we're just trying to make a living over here. Yep. But like, 
losing with purpose, having a plan was the problem. But if you're losing with incompetence, then that's fine. That's all. Yeah. That's all good. Good job. Way to go. And, uh, and I think it's pretty pathetic. I think it's pretty pathetic. And, and they should. They should have a Colangelo forced upon them. They should. Or like a Rod Thorne. Somebody. Some old, crusty guy who never was actually good, but just maybe happened to cozy up to teams that were good or had some success, should be forced upon them in some uh, managerial oversight position. If I had told you that Rod Thorne died 18 months ago, would that be possible and you just not remember? Did he really? No. <laughs> I, I hope, he's, hope he's well. The rest... And I want to shout out, I want to shout yeah. out, uh, yeah. we're talking about Charlotte. Shout out Ed Smith. Yeah. Still doing it, man. Yo, the, T- no, TJ look, gets a, the no look reverse layout was this shit. Unbelievable. Yeah. He's, and he's still fast as shit, man. Yeah. He's, he's so good. fast. Yep. And, and he can't, and like, and at his age, at an NBA speed, he's still that fast. It's, it's unreal. And TJ gets a lot of credit for being a process guy that hung on for so long and he's still doing, doing his thing. Covington, obviously. Jeremy Grant doesn't get talked about enough because he's like just a really good player and he was on those teams also. There's, there's a few others. But, but Ish was like first real point guard, get it organized, had two stints with the Sixers. Um, and I just feel, I feel a level of pride that, he, that he's still doing it. I feel like good for him. Yeah. Well... It's good. The Sixers have one more game in their their easy seven, but it is against a the most difficult, I think, of the seven is against the Bulls, and the Bulls are playing a little bit better too. So but Jimmy that, just beat him on a uh, on a walk-off. I I love seeing Embiid obliterate bad teams, but pretty soon we're gonna have to get back to seriousness where you know, I want to see him put up 32, 14 and six against fucking good team and win. But this yep. is, this has been fun for sure. Yeah. I mean, they got the bulls tomorrow and then it's wolves, Raptors who are hot and cold heat, magic rockets. Yep. Um, and that's not like, you know, some of those are cream of the crop, but some, it's just like a back to solid. Yep. Back to solid and start to, if they can keep this going. I mean, they're, they're in the top three in the East. They're starting to, those teams are starting to separate themselves. It's, you know, things are normal. Things are dangerously normal. And then what happens when I say that? I'm telling you, man, this is the, it's the year. I don't, I don't like, I don't know if they're going to win the title or get to finals, but they do not make me nervous in the least. I know. But they that don't makes make me, me nervous. nervous. I but that makes me nervous. It. Yeah. I understand that, but I, I'm ready to be hurt. You know, I'm okay. I, I believe in them. I'm having a, a good time with no, no predisposition to expecting something bad to happen i'm just i'm there i'm with them yeah i mean number one net rating in the league number one offense in the league defense because they played some horrendous teams uh is up to five wow so not bad it's not bad you know we'll see the rates ricky sanchez podcast brought to you by l l pavorsky jewelers we got this email from kyle spike mike i wanted to give a quick ll testimonial I bought my now wife's engagement ring from LL a little over two years ago. We had to bring it in for a repair after Thanksgiving. LL made the repair no questions asked and free of charge. I can confirm he did have water available. I was disturbed by two things. First, not to relitigate this, he was adamant that he would rather dunk than play a sick guitar solo. Second, thank you. Thank you. He said unprompted that Mike is in fact 5'11". Thank you. I've never seen Mike in person, let alone stood anywhere close enough to gauge his height with my own eyes, but I can confidently say he's no taller than 5'10". 
I cannot help but think this calls into question LL's overall credibility. Most importantly, as a Spike guy myself, I cannot help but think LL has revealed himself as a secret Mike guy. Wow. Despite this, he is a fantastic and trustworthy jeweler, and I can still catch my wife staring lovingly at the ring she's owned for two plus years because she loves it so much. Potal renters, Kyle. That's very nice. Yeah. Wow. LL, a Mike guy. You know, LL is the only jeweler you're allowed to go to specifically for an engagement ring. The, the 12 days of Christmas, 12 days of Pavorsky happening right now. Sign up, go to llpavorsky.com, sign up for the mailing list there, or just check him out on social media. He wants to give you personal attention, wants to give you free bottled water that you can take with you even if you don't finish it, wants to reveal himself to you as a secret mic guy, but by appointment only, because he wants to be able to give you the true attention you deserve. 215-627-2252, Lee at llpavorsky.com, tweeted him at llpavorsky. Over three decades at 707 Walnut, over 350, writes to Ricky Sanchez listeners who have purchased engagement rings. Truly a pillar in the Ricky community and a supporter of our charities, Providence Animal Center, Mama T's Community Fridge, L. L. Pavorsky Jewelers. Mike guys, Spike guys, something for everybody. Mm. A press release from the Sixers this week, surprising, I think, didn't see it coming. Daryl Morey signs a multi-year extension through 2728. Quote from Josh Harris, Daryl is one of the best front office executives in sports, and I greatly value his leadership. I'm thrilled to have reached an agreement to extend his contract and look forward to working together to maximize our chances of competing for an NBA title. From Daryl, I want to express my appreciation to Josh Harris and David Blitzer for their unwavering support and confidence. Together, we are committed to bringing a championship to Philadelphia. I love this franchise and the relationship to, that my family and I have built with the fans in our city. There's no place I'd rather continue this journey than here. And also a quote from Keith Pompey about um, wanting to keep him, Nurse, and Elton Brand together. Does this mean the Sixers are about to an announce an extension for Elton Brand? Quote from Maury. Again, this is a group we'd like to keep together. Hopefully there's an announcement along those lines in the not, in the not too long. So I think... Daryl has been presented with a very complicated hand in Philadelphia from the beginning. At times got more complicated. Some of it got more complicated because of his own doing. That is fair to say in the Harden situation, but was able to stick to his guns the whole time, wait like we expected to, not cave to pressure. I think he has done a very good job as Sixers GM. Um, even more happy that they will have stability potentially for the next several years. And I'm happy he got the extension. I think he's done a good job. I think we have one of the best general managers in the NBA and that's a nice thing to, to feel, you know? Yeah. He hasn't been perfect, but I think he's been very good. I think during, during the, you know, the Harden experience was largely unpleasant. It was mm -hmm. a risk probably worth taking, especially at that time in the, in the Ben Simmons saga, um, you know, the Halliburton realness you can debate. We've, we've talked about it, but, uh, got out of the Harden situation relatively unscathed could have been way worse. Joel could have asked out. Um, there could have been a lot more, uh, drama and chaos. And I think there's something to be said about, you know, front office stability for a team that since, since the modern era, which let's say is uh, Hinky's arrival, or, or like the, this ownership taking over the year before and, and trying to do the Biden, Biden trade, 
it's good to have some level of stability with like a competent front office, Daryl and Elton involved. And yeah. Yeah. It's I mean, good. I, it's, yeah. it's mostly good. I think, and I think also like the man, this summer sucked. The summer so sucked so bad. And it sucks that they haven't gotten past the second round, which Daryl doesn't agree with. Thinks, he thinks it's awesome that they haven't gotten past the second round. Um, but now that we're on the other side of it, now that the team is playing well, and it's like, it's all about Maxie and Joel, and how can we, you know, best support them going forward? It's nice that Daryl will be here for the rest of Joel's realistic prime. Um, and. That's after that we'll see, but they, this team will have every chance to win or compete for a championship over the next three four years. And we we don't often give ownership credit, though. I think if you were to list NBA owners and you were to rank them, the Sixers would would the Sixers ownership would come out higher than you think they would. But in in addition to crediting Maury for just keeping his head down and pushing through the Harden thing this summer. You know, you had brought up on one pod, you know, the 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 possibility of ownership just getting tired of it sure. eventually. And I think you have to give them credit for letting him sort of battle through both this and the Simmons thing. The Simmons thing was publicly very ugly. It was not, that one was not Daryl's doing, even though I will continue to tell him, as I told him before he didn't trade Ben Simmons, that he should have traded him earlier. But all that said, they did stick by him in in that way. And I think that should be commended, certainly in this world where there's more, there's more public feedback than there's ever been, you know, and things get more uncomfortable for owners than I think they had been in terms of at least PR. And they let him fucking do what he wanted to do. And I think you, you have to give them credit for that. Yeah, I think a more maybe earlier in their tenure, which happened with Hinky, or or just a more easily spooked ownership group would have gone, oh, this Hall of Famer is publicly lambasting the president of this organization. We should just like get out of it. Yeah. Um and it was good that they didn't. That would have been obviously very reactionary. Um and I, I never thought that they should have fired him or anything. It was just like it was it, it was loud. It was it hard was and, noisy. Yeah. Hard and, uh, was doing some stuff to to get him out of there, and I'm glad that it, that it resolved itself only a few games into the season um, because it could have gotten worse. And they are now in good position to be good for a very long time with Maxine and Bede. Uh, salary cap flexibility now that Tobias is coming off the books, and a couple of picks to make the team better. Like they're they're in as good of a situation as anybody that has not won a championship. Um, because of how, how good Embiid is and how good Maxi is and how clean everything else looks. I don't necessarily agree with you that, that he inherited a, a, a mess. He didn't inherit a situation that's more messy than most other teams that have fired their GM or have, have. Sure. I think the difference is, is that he inherited it with the expectation that they would be title contenders almost immediately. That's fair. But, but the expectation is because they have a top five player in the yep, game. Absolutely. I, I I guess I'm not saying it's more than others, just pointing out that it wasn't a, it, it's, it's a good point you make that they inherited it. He inherited it from like, they don't fire the GM if things are, are going exactly. great. Yeah. Absolutely. But I, I do think both the combination of the Sixers stuff to it mm-hmm. and the, like he basically got here I don't know, whatever. We, we don't need to b- belabor it, but I, 
I just don't think it's 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 not a simple situation that he has no. he has navigated through, and I, I think overall he's done a good job doing yeah. that. And, and I agree with that. Been, I just don't think it started from like he inherited absolute trash. No, no, no. In, I agree. Like a, it was a fi- it was a things were on fire for various odd reasons, but it yeah. wasn't like oh they you know inheriting the Pistons now or whatever it is. No, but but to that point the. With with inheriting a top five player comes with the responsibility of making sure that guy doesn't want to fucking leave either. For sure. And I though there have been there has been noise about that. I don't think any of it has been actual real noise the yeah. entire time. And that that takes a lot of personality management that you have to give him credit for. Look, has he won a champion? Everything always get gets thrown in my face. He hasn't won a championship, I, obviously. But everyone would also agree that when Andy Reid's tenure as a, a Philadelphia Eagles coach, he was a good coach the entire time. He did a good job. He didn't win a championship. Like there are And plenty, had a couple like visible weaknesses the same way that, that you know, the reputation of Daryl has. Yeah. Absolutely. So it, it, it is possible that A, he is good at his job. And the thing that I mentioned on Twitter, I think historically in terms of the NBA, he is an important executive. I don't know how long that list is, but he is definitely on it. And is he the best general manager in in the NBA? I don't know, but I can tell you that most of them, whether they're good or bad, calls into question. You could say three years ago, everybody would have told you that Masai Ujiri is the best general manager in the NBA. He's great at his job. Yeah. And you know what? Now, I'm not so, I'm not so sure. Like, yeah. I'm not so sure. So he has weathered a lot of those storms in a lot of different ways. And I think he should be, you know, commended for that. Yeah, absolutely. So. I, think, yeah, I think in the Woj story, it said he is the fourth best winning percentage of any GM ever. That's, I mean, it's, he's been on a lot of pretty good teams. It's meaningful. And I think it is, you know, the process is always, beginning of the process has always been like a story that we're telling ourselves and feeling that like, like classic uh, with a couple bizarre twists and turns, but like classic, like this team was in hell and they fucking fought through um, just various levels of inferno shit to get to finally they won a championship. And there is something narratively like you don't want LeBron for a bunch of reasons, but one of the reasons you don't want LeBron, I think is because he's already done it. Like it wouldn't feel like us. It would feel yeah. like just another LeBron title or whatever it is. And I don't necessarily agree with that, but I, I hear the the logic. And uh, as far as the narrative stuff goes, Joel winning a championship is massive. Yes. And I think Daryl also finally breaking through and winning his championship and being, you know, Hinky's former boss mentor, whatever, pulls it all together for us in a in a way that would feel very satisfying if this ever happened. I mean, to a lesser extent, Covington coming back <laughs> feels good about that also. Who knows if he'll, he'll be here when that happens. But like the 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 parts and this gets into the ship of Theseus stuff, but like the parts of the process that feel like, hey, we've us the fan base, Joel, Daryl, a couple of these other guys coming together and and like winning it for the hundred freaks that are on the back of that shirt. Uh, that were, uh, you know, excoriated for being the worst teams in NBA history and they should be ashamed of themselves and the fan base is terrible, blah, blah, blah. It, you want it to feel like we did it together when we're, on, when we're on that parade float and we should be on that fucking parade float. We should, uh, should have our own fucking like float. We, you hear me, Daryl? We made it. Like, think about all the things we came from. And I think Daryl breaking through his own years of you know he's he's one of us at this point he's been here a long time and and he comes on this podcast and he gives a shit and he's weird and in, in very specific ways um 
but like Joel breaking through is obviously the number one thing. And then down that list is, is Daryl finally breaking through, I think also in a way that like matters to NBA history and will matter for the Sixers once they, once they get there and get on that, on that parade float. And if you happen to be Daryl Morey listening to us talk about what a great job you've done, you might want to think about why we haven't rung the bell before the game. <laughs> and you've had like literally every fucking newscaster in the history of Philadelphia. Sure. Every eagle. Like World Be Free, Free does it like once a week. Yeah. Like, come on. Come on. You, you can't send an email with, here's what you do. Uh, and then, then, then we'll go to star hunting. I promise. Here's, let me frame it for you guys. I'm going to, this is how you invite us to ring the bell. You pick, obviously a low profile game. You pick a Wednesday night game against the Pistons or whatever, you know. It might be tough for me to get home for a Wednesday game. So. Might need a weekend. So this is, this is what I'm doing. What I'm doing is you have to, if you were smart, you would make it difficult on us. You would make it midweek. You would give us 36 hours of notice. So I have to tell Mike, okay, we'll spend the $2,200 to get you to fly home and back in the same day or whatever. You fly me first class? Yeah, sure. Wow. If, if, if we're, right. yes. If, if we're ringing the bell, I will fly you first class. Wow. I think the Sixers should fly me first class. Wow. They, I, got, they got plenty of money. <laughs> yeah, we just, and ownership. Are you listening? We, we just gave you credit. What are we doing here? When, I, when we banged the drum at the Bluecoats game. <laughs> I thought uh, it was just a tryout. Which was cool. And we did a good job. I did hurt myself doing it. Do you mm, remember this? Yep. Because I was, I was trying to commit to it. And the, the rim of the drum is metal. And yep. I just like whacked the, I, I was backhanding it. And I whacked the forearm. And that really, that really did hurt a lot. So I promised to also hurt myself when I, when I ring the bell in whatever way I can figure out. The Rice Drinking Sanchez podcast is brought to you by Cornblow and Cornblow. We're going to do Star Hunter in a second. A new entry, somebody we talked about very early on, but has gotten noisier in Star Hunter. That is next. Speaking of stars, there is one star, one star in the world of personal injury law, Adam Cornblow. Cornblow and Cornblow. Your, your, your star hunting has ended. Four decades of personal injury assistance for people like you. If you have been hurt, if you have been in an accident, if you were injured at work, medical malpractice, which is their specialty, four decades of personal service, Kornblau and Kornblau, K-O-R-N-B-L-A-U. You hear these ads, you see these ads, you see billboard, that dickhead, that one dickhead that has a billboard in like every city talking about how much he loves that city. He's not even in any of those cities. That's the problem. You hear all these advertisements, they can't, they're not even taking care of you. They are not taking care of you. They are referral services. Kornblau and Kornblau, when you send him an email, when you give him a call, he is taking care of you. Personal injury lawsuits can take a long time. They're very complicated. You need somebody smart, passionate, and who's going to answer the phone. Cornblow and Cornblow. Give him a call or shoot him an email if you believe that you have been hurt. He has offices all over the Delaware Valley or we'll come to you. We'll come to you. House calls, house calls. If you think you might have a case, doesn't cost you anything. 215-576-7200. Ask for Adam or email Cornblau, K-O-R-N-B-L-A-U at Cornblau and Cornblau.com. Cornblau and Cornblau, the official law firm of the process. It's Star Hunter time. Star Hunter, as we have Daryl currently armed with three first round picks and a podcast that will vouch for him. In search for the one, maybe two missing pieces to bring the Sixers a title. We talk about who that might be. There has been a lot of noise this week in Cleveland 
which brings us this Star Hunter suggestion to 833-LICKFACE. Hey guys, David from Virginia. I'm calling with a Star Hunter question. Darius Garland is going to be out, out at least a month. Evan Mobley, one to two months. If Donovan Mitchell grows impatient in Cleveland, does he become our guy? I know the fit isn't perfect. He's similar in size to Tyrese. There are defensive concerns like there would be with Levine. But if you keep waiting for a star to a wing to become available, you might be waiting a long time. You may just need to bet on elite talent and hoping the fit figures itself out for what it's worth. The Sixers' postseason struggles are usually on the offensive end. They're, they usually perform pretty well defensively, actually. Um, and I know... Oh, let me finish. Uh, I lost it. Anyway, you get the picture. Cleveland. Mike, of course, Donovan Mitchell got traded to the Cavs when he really wanted to get traded to the Knicks. As he mentioned, Garland out, Mobley out. Mitchell has one more year after this year, and there has been rumors that he will definitely not resign there. What are your thoughts on Donovan Mitchell? Look, he's obviously very good. I was a big Donovan Mitchell fan coming into the draft that year. Mm-hmm. Um, he has become a way better offensive player than I had thought he could be and not close to the defensive player that I thought he could be. Um, it's a lot of his skill set matches Maxi's a lot. Mm-hmm. And while he could do very well, he could be, very, he could be very, you know, he could, have some excellent moments as a scorer. I just don't know how much he is improving the ceiling of this team since if the ball's not in his hands, what really is he doing? And if the ball's in his hands, what really is Tyrese Maxey doing aside from space on the floor? And so I think the, you know, in this star hunter situation, mm-hmm. um, very few of these guys are actually going to become available. Yes. Um, you're not going to have your choice. It's not a buffet where you get to just pick one. Uh, that's all. That's all out there. But we're, I'm ranking them. You know, as we talk about this, as as far as who would be the most appealing to me and would be the best for this team and would raise the ceiling on this team. And I think another domi- ball dominant, uh, smallish guard that can't really defend doesn't really move that much off the ball um, would not be the area that I would seek out. Maybe before the season, I would have, I would have gone like, you know, because of the hell we were in with Harden and because Maxi hadn't taken yet another leap forward, mm-hmm. I could have been like, okay, yeah, probably put those two guys together plus Embiid plus some wings and, and that's as good as we can get. But now that we've seen how good Maxi's gotten and the way this team plays under Nurse, I'm just setting my sights a little bit of a not necessarily has to be a wing player, but somebody that will not also be a liability on the defensive end because I think in the playoffs those that is an area that will be very exploitable and and, and championship level teams just don't have that many holes to exploit on the other side. So my answer is a little more simple in that though I appreciate yours and I understand and I don't entirely disagree. I would like Donovan Mitchell. I think I would bet on talent. I think he's good, even though he was, man, he was so bad against the Knicks. Yeah. I mean, he just fucking disappeared. I thought it was like embarrassing. Uh, 
they can't get him. I, I, I think we need to, I think one thing that we're not doing is being realistic about the, the assets that we have. If Donovan Mitchell becomes available, the Knicks can and will outbid us for Donovan Mitchell. That's it. Now, if we want to participate just to make them overpay, that's fine. We yeah. could argue about whether they should, but I just don't think looking at the teams that are armed with assets better than what we have, I there's a, a long list. I don't know that all of them would want Mitchell, but Mitchell's still young, is still very good, top 20-ish, you know, player. I just don't think the Sixers can get him. I so think. what do you think what do you think a Donovan Mitchell trade looks like for the Knicks? Well, I think I think the Knicks are in such a desperate position that what's Donovan Mitchell making? 30 million, whatever it is. 33. So the Knicks end up trading, whether it's Barrett and Grimes or whatever it is, and they end up trading like fucking five first round picks and three swaps or something. Like, I think it's the pick part of it that we can't. I mean, the the Knicks don't have that. Sure they do. Between theirs and others, they absolutely do. I was looking at the Cavs picks. That's why. The Cavs okay. don't have that. The Knicks do. Uh, yeah. yeah, I don't... And by the way, as far as young players go, the Knicks have more that they can trade. Absolutely, they, they, they do. I don't. It depends yeah. on how much the, the Cavs like those players, but um, the question is, what does Cleveland want, right? If they yeah. decide we are, you know, Mobley's out for two months, Garland's out for an undetermined amount of time, um, we have Donovan Mitchell and Jared Allen and a bunch of guys... Um, Max Struess is going to probably play pretty well. You know, they're going to be a fine team. They'll probably be a 500 team the rest of the way um, yep. with with this lineup as as currently constructed. Do they want to trade Mitchell and get a ton of picks, or are they looking for more like okay, let's get younger, more on the on the Garland Mobley timeline? Mitchell's like five years older than them. Um, I don't see them going. Okay, we're just picks just give well, us I, the like utah package but but to your point like the knicks have some guys yeah that could be compelling for them and by the way could cleveland take those picks and trade for laurie marketing do you know what i'm saying like which is they're missing they're missing shooting they just have they have laurie marketing no could they no could the the Cavs don't have laurie marketing the jazz have laurie no, no no they had had laurie oh yeah marketing. but i'm saying i i'm i'm like I think if you're getting picks, I'm not limiting to them to taking those picks and rebuilding. I'm saying that no, it arms them with the ability Absolutely. to get somebody. You Absolutely. Know? Um, but yeah, then you get to the point of like how much, how bad do they want to get in a short amount of time? I think they probably should trade Mitchell. You know, one of the mistakes that the Bulls have made is waiting to trade yep. Zach Levine. Um, and he's not going to, he might get one first round pick for you, but it seems like because of the contract, it's going to be low. Um, if I'm them, I say this year is a dud and let's, let's move it. And maybe that is to the next. And I'd be interested to see that. And one more that we need to, with the, the recent, the Sixers playing the Pistons, we have one more star hunting suggestion to 833-LICKFACE. Spike, Mike, CJ, Jake from South Carolina, first time caller. The more I'm watching the Sixers this year, the more I'm believing. And we talk about star hunter and I don't think we necessarily need a superstar. Where my head's at is, what if we had the chance to get Bogdanovich, as well as Marcus Smart, unload the bank, everything we have for those two. I think the two of those puts us over the edge. 
where my head's at there is watching Batum, a stretch four, and how he works with Embiid, how he works with Maxi. If we can get a second one of those, does that make us the favorites? Thanks. Appreciate the pod. Now we've Wait, talked about Marcus Smart before. Uh, the, I think he's talking about Detroit, Bogdanovich. Okay. Your thoughts? We've talked about Smart before. Yeah, I mean, Boyan is good. Um, he's a little, he's not as good of a defender as he used to be when he was covering LeBron. Um, he's fine. He, he's, and he's, and he hits, and he's, you know, he can go, he can get to the basket. He can shoot over guys. Pretty lights out, pretty terrifying shooter. Yeah, um, very, very solid shooter. Will be obviously way better when he's on a team that has space, more shooting yeah. and spacing and all that stuff. Um, he'd be totally fine. It's, this is the, this is the issue with the Sixers as, as, as they are right now because, they have depth. They are a deep team. Who are you booting out of the rotation to put another pretty good role player in there? I think Melton needs minutes. I think he's great. Batum obviously needs minutes. He's great. There was a rumor about Detroit wanting Tobias. Sure. Tobias, Starting- is, to, Tobias is an interesting one. Yeah. If you go like, okay, this, this type of player does not fit what we are trying to do. I don't know what I don't know what you're really getting out of it with just like swapping out role player for role player. Like Marcus Smart would be helpful, Boyan Bogdanovich would be helpful in this team, absolutely. But like this team is deep right now. I would be fine with Marcus Morris not in the rotation. Obviously, I want Covington in the rotation for because I think that's the kind of player you would want to replace Tobias with. Maybe someone who's a better shooter than Covington, but that's the kind of player you would want in that role instead. Um. You know, Pat, is Pat Bev leaving the rotation? It seems like that is not know. something that the fan base would like. <laughs> no. Ubre is not leaving the rotation. He's been excellent. We have B-Ball Paul's back of five. Like, it's really just that Marcus Morris, Robert Covington spot or Tobias. And it's just, that's where you get me with like, especially when the rotation constricts in the playoffs and they go closer to eight or nine players. I just don't think that as good as Marcus Smart is and would be on this team, I I think that's why they're shooting higher because we have we have the we have that depth and and we're going to trade you're not going to trade picks for somebody who you don't think is going to you know is going to fight for a playoff rotation spot you know what I mean and if that's well, if you if you if you want a better backup point guard then you know trade Springer and House in a second or something like that but yeah that's my that's my thinking is like as much as I love role players like the Sixers kind of have them and. I doubt Nick Nurse would be thrilled if they traded Marcus Morris right now because he seems to love playing him and and Morris hasn't missed a shot in three weeks. So the hardest stomach YouTube comment of the week. I just picked out three of them. Dan Olinger has now been referenced in one YouTube. So we're posting uh, Dan's film breakdowns both both on our Twitter and our YouTube, and he's doing a great job. The he was referred to as the following on his most recent one on YouTube, the Danny, the linger and the dinger, which is new. Mm. Now the linger obviously was one of your suggestions for what to name his column, mm. but the dinger seems new. Dinger's pretty good. I think dinger when he, when he, when he posts a good video, you can, he can be a dinger. That dinger. Uh, I thought this was an interesting question and we will end on this or two interesting questions uh, at right. Sanchez at gmail.com. This came from Tommy. Hi, Spike, Mike and CJ question. 
I'm thinking watching the Hornets and Sixers play, who has improved more relative to their starting ability in the NBA expectations, Embiid or Maxi? Maxi has obviously improved his three-point shooting and so much of his scoring, but Embiid has transformed into one of the top offensive players, something none of us saw coming. The wording on this makes zero sense. I'm not drunk. I'm just tired from babysitting an infant, but I think the point is there. The question I wanted to ask you was year over year, who do you think is more improved last year to this year, Tyrese Maxey or Joel Embiid? I think Maxey. Um, yeah. Joel won the MVP last year. He's, he's obviously better this improved. year and deserves he's, the MVP again. He's better. He's uh, diversified his game. But I think that is partially responsive to the system that's been placed around him in Nick Nurse and the guys that are, you know, Maxey being one of them, moving so much around him so that he has easier looks when everyone was just standing still it was just very difficult for him to you know against a good defense when everyone's standing still it became problematic he you know there was the the offense looked just very muddy and because of the movement around him i think he's allowed he's been able to tap into that part of himself that wants to be magic johnson and and improve in ways, and he, and he absolutely has, and I want to give him credit for that. But I think Maxi, there's no, there's like no bigger and more difficult jump than going from like great. Sec, secondary uh, off ball shooter for the most part, an occasional like closeout attacker, to hey, run the offense. It's all you, man. Like get your shot a ton, and also get other people looks. Make sure everybody's happy. Make sure you know Tobias has the occasional post up so he doesn't get upset um make sure Ubre gets his everybody's got a touch and also make sure Embiid's happy because he's the MVP and he's you know he's why we're all here so that onus is on you but also be aggressive and make sure you get your own shot too and it's just like a ton of that it is so impressive how much better he has gotten um so I think that jump from you know very good starter to all-star lead guard is a more impressive jump than from than like MVP to oh shit now he can pass. Yeah, and I think the thing that you could say about Maxi, if I was playing devil's advocate, I'd say well most of his improvement is due to increased usage, but it's not nothing to increase your usage and be better. Like yeah. that is That's you can huge. give you can give a ton of players more usage and they'll probably score more points and get more stats, but he's legitimately better with increased usage. I. I would say, though, I think Embiid's improvement in passing is, we'll talk about it a lot, and I still don't think it will be enough. I did not think it was possible Mm -hmm. for him to improve at this age, at that level. And then the other thing is, for him to, we we gave, not that we took credit away from Embiid, but we saw how much of his offense last year was created by Harden. And for him to be a better offensive player without Harden is, is yes, it's a testament to Maxi, but I think it's more of a testament to Embiid, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, you look at like Mikael Bridges is a, is not a similar player to Maxi, but made a somewhat similar jump from being off ball guy in Phoenix to coming to Brooklyn. And it's like, now, now it's you, you can be the sort of go try to be Paul George basically. Mm-hmm. And he got a lot of credit early on for how much better he looked and he had a couple 30 point games and stuff. And he's been, he's sort of re- regressed a little bit back to being, he's really not a number one option type guy. Mm-hmm. And his efficiency numbers have not held much or like 
improved in, in various ways. He's pretty much just the same guy, just gets a little bit more shots. And Maxi has very clearly taken the leap in ways of like getting the offense organized, getting guys to open looks. I think that is more impressive. It was impressive for Mikhail to like hold up and feels like, okay, yeah, he could, he could cosplay as a number one guy sometimes, but he's really not. And Maxi has been like, no, he is. Yeah. He like he just absolutely is. And then the final question to keep the mentions of Bobby Abreu, and I, and you may be conflicted on this. This came from Chris to write to Ricky Sanchez at gmail.com. Is Tobias Harris the Bobby Abreu of the six? No, no, no. I think he might no, be. No, not at all. Bob, team it's 100% win. different. No, don't even talk. Don't even talk. Mm, Bobby Abreu possible. was ruthlessly efficient and yeah. incredibly underappreciated no. because he didn't do the traditional things. Tobias mm. does the traditional things, like, mm. like gets to his mid-range, gets to his post-up, like, don't worry about all that foul stuff. Like, Bobby Abreu, like, was taking walks, and he was, like, just fielding his position well and stealing mm. bases, but didn't look like he was trying that hard. Tobias is constantly getting into, like... after he left, which might be Tobias adjacent is all No, I'm no, saying. no. Not even close. No. Bobby's the man. Mm. I don't know. Bobby's Doesn't seem like so. I want to uh, wish... My mother, hmm? a happy 70th birthday today. Oh, pretty big deal. Happy birthday, mom. Very nice for her. Uh, mm-hmm. I will not be going home for it. So that is on me. Oh. Um, but, uh, but happy birthday to my mom. 70 big ones. Very exciting. Love you, mom. 70 big ones. Yeah, they're not small ones. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Anything else we got at the end? Any other birthdays? CJ. Uh, CJ? Is it CJ's birthday? Nope. Nope, it's not. Okay. All right. So we'll be back Tuesday night for a non-game night pod. Yeah. And uh, and then and then Christmas Eve, I believe we'll be back Christmas Eve morning. I don't know if you've seen this, but while we were podcasting, uh, Jalen Hurts was downgraded to questionable for Monday night and will fly on a separate flight to get to Seattle because he is so sick they don't want to infect other people. So not wow. great. An Eagles podcast. Yeah. Just giving you the update. Just the Sixers are the positive vibes team yep. in the league. Do we feel that? Uh I think so. Uh, yeah. Not in the league, in the city. I in think. the city? Oh, for sure in the city. For sure in the city. I mean Phillies are not negative vibes, but coming off a, right. a really disappointing loss. Right. Eagles heading appear to be at least at the current moment heading in the wrong direction. Sure. The Sixers just beating teams by fifty. I think I think it's a pretty easy, easy, easy win for the Sixers right now. So we'll see you Tuesday night. Are you down with T T T? Yeah. You know, look for If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me. Then I, 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 I,